0: And welcome to Tea Time with Jesse. And I have a very special guest for you all today. This is Xiaoma, NYC. I thought we were doing this in Chinese. Oh, you want to do it in Chinese? <laughs> no, we, we okay, actually did oh, okay. I was like, you know, like I actually didn't tell you what yeah. we were doing it in. Um, but, cool. so we have a rare guest that could have done the whole podcast in Chinese. And you actually did do a whole podcast in Chinese with me, didn't you once? i think it may have yeah,
1: yeah the first part yeah it, was, yeah it
0: was it was good it was a good time uh but uh give a short introduction for our fans who don't know you although yeah. i'm guessing that honestly probably all my fans know you so
1: <laughs> i um i am a youtuber content creator uh businessman as well and what i do is i make videos on the internet um mostly surprising people by speaking their language but i do other things as well
0: so a lot of language content and yeah i'm personally i'm just a big fan of the, the way that you get like people not to be scared of doing the language, which is like you know, the big thing is like a lot of people are scared of speaking the second language and yeah. that, that just like, may, that makes them like freeze up.
1: Well, I think that like, uh, to be honest, I'm a natural introvert. Mm. I, I was never good with, with cameras or good with speaking to people in public, especially strangers. Mm. And, um, you know, but, but doing this, I feel like has kind of opened my eyes to the, uh, to the reality of the situation, which is that most people are actually very excited mm. to hear you speak their language, even if it's terrible, yeah. which to be honest, most of the languages that I learn, I learn to a, like barely having the ability to have a very basic conversation how, and that's it.
0: Yeah, how many know? languages would you say you got there though for like the basic communication? around 50 about 50 yeah so that's pretty how well here's how many i've studied more languages
1: right now than probably almost anyone
0: i was going to say like once you get to 50 that you can at least hold some semblance of a conversation with there can't be like another thousand people up there
1: (laughs) no it's a very it's a very limited number i mean i i i will not make any claims to being able to speak all of them even at a basic conversation level like like to have because I don't review them, you yeah. Know? So a language yeah. that I studied two years ago, like if you wanted to have a conversation with me right now in Navajo, it would probably be a stretch,
0: yeah. for me. But luckily, that doesn't come up too much, <laughs> like, you know, right?
1: No. <laughs> right, it, it it doesn't, yeah. So um, I mean, there are certain languages that like I get more practice with just by living in New York. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Spanish is yeah. everywhere. Like French, I don't really speak French, but every like there's so many people who speak French that like you know I'm kind of forced to try to at least speak a little bit of French mm. occasionally, so I can kind of remember some of that. You know, Mandarin obviously. Like, I'm married to a Chinese woman. Yeah. You know, speaking that all the time with her and my kids. Um, and then Cantonese. You know, just by living in New York, there's tons of Cantonese people. And then, yeah. you know,
0: like, she well, so jima- you, you get a good use of them. So yeah. we're gonna go over language learning, YouTubing, and all that sort of stuff. But uh, I want to start out by making you some tea. Mm-hmm. And um I asked, uh, I asked this you why I'm here. This is why you're here. <laughs> this is like tea? literally. It's like, I just wanted
1: was- some tea, and you're like. If you want some of my tea for free, you're gonna have to be on my fucking podcast. Yeah, I can we first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why
0: not? Why not? By the way, that didn't happen. But (laughs) people are like, "Oh my god, Jesse's really (laughs) like that." They're like, "We finally found out what he's like." Jesse's very nice. But yeah, take a look at the um, this. I half drunk through this one, but this is the uh, Tianjiajai Raw Puar. Mm. This is from the tea mountain that I went to in June, and it's like uh, it's beautiful. I mean, honestly, if I could do all my teas like this, it also just
1: feels really nice. It's it's just the the quality of the leaves is
0: great. So we're going to make some of this. Um, you have uh, spent time in China and no pu'erh tea. So it's always great to be able to, to some find some extent, not as much as you. but No, but you know purpose. it exists. Like, you yeah. know, you, you yeah. forget what I deal with on the internet. <laughs> like, right, I mean, it's like the part of the fun for me is that like there are new types of tea that people just have never tried before. Hmm. And um, it's always fun to be able to bring people's like first experience of having like a raw pu'erh or a cooked pu'erh or something like that. Or even oolongs. Like, you know, oolongs. For people that have lived in China, you've heard of oolong before, but a lot of people haven't. So, um, when you uh, lived in China, what was your favorite like uh, tea to drink or food to eat? Oh
1: man, uh, I I gotta be honest. Like I didn't, I wasn't a huge tea head in China. No, I, I would say I would say what I what, what most interested me about Chinese teas was just all the people walking around with these like thermoses full of flowers like you just be oh, yeah. full of flowers well, yeah if you go the, the, the whole thing the and flower I, tea and i was just i was like very confused at first i was like what are you drinking like why are you drinking <laughs> like it well, like a cup of flowers the
0: the cab drivers you know? will have this like <laughs> j- this um like chrysanthemum tea or jasmine yeah, tea Yeah, it was
1: chrysanthemum and i and i was because i had never seen that before in america nobody carrying around like a mug of flowers no, you know and like, drinking no. that wherever you go and then and then also as well people Take a snap of that. Sorry. Yeah, there's good Ooh, stuff. That's, that's good nice. stuff. Yeah, very nice. Mm.
0: Yeah, so you're saying you're saying also people like people go around. carrying around
1: mugs of just hot water in general. You know, you're you have it just a like a wherever yep. you go, just a giant ass thermos. Mm-hmm.
0: Where water. did you move your cup or did I, I'm gonna get your cup? Uh, over here. I, I put it over here. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, the if you go to uh Beijing and you take like cabs or whatever, the cab drivers will be just like pounding this flower tea all day all day all day. Yeah,
1: cabs and students you know i was at a university when i lived in china so uh yeah just students would always take it to class you know big bottles hot water and thermoses it's just part, part
0: of life it's just part of life cheers cheers here you go so take a sip oh i love that this tea it has like a little bit of lemony flavor in there like very fresh um you know the uh, the raw pu'er uh, when it's young like this. Normally, it's like kind of very sharp, mm. but for whatever reason, I always find this to be like super juicy and like lemony, and it has like that nice sweetness to I it. I love the
1: I love the consistency of it. It's like almost milky somehow. Yeah, it's the mouthfeel texture.
0: The mouthfeel in, that's in Chinese say henshun, ro. Yeah, like ro, The uh, like soft and shun is like yeah, smooth. it's really good. So <laughs> this is uh, this is the master series tea. So these are the ones we literally got straight from the tea mountain uh and then put directly into our into the cakes um they the, press these all in the, at the mountain they have like I yeah. saw it they have a machine that will do the pressing wow. they take the tea in like a cylinder and they weigh it so that you get exactly the amount you're supposed to and then they have a little steam thing that comes through it so they're just pliable enough to press and then they have a press that puts it down and we specifically requested that these are pressed a little bit uh, looser because sometimes with those tight poor cakes you need a knife to break them off yep. and most people in, in outside of china don't have a poor knife hanging around so it's um there's a poor knife yeah it's called specifically a specifically
1: for ch- cleaving
0: yeah. off chunks it's like of... a, it's like an ice pick like a mini ice pick. Wow, and um That's you know so uh it's um but again most people in the states are not going to have that so
1: you know when you, i look at these leaves mm-hmm. the first thing i think to myself mm-hmm. as a stupid American yep. is can I cook these into a dish? Like so, fry it up like spinach well, and, in, in, and eat
0: them. I mean, in Yunnan, they have like fried tea leaves as like a part of a dish. Like usually yeah, yeah. you wouldn't just eat a whole plate of them, but they're like right. part of the, a part like a of- garnish? Certain dishes. Like I, I think they're part of a, we'll, we'll look this up. I should get like a Chinese cooking channel to like, yeah. you know, work with me on this. But um, if you go, uh, usually they're like, you know, they'll have some meat in it and they'll have like some fried tea leaves in there too but uh it's not like a salad um but if you but yeah Yeah, it just looks like spinach
1: when you look at this
0: you know yeah when you take a look i don't know if we got our beautiful camera over here but the uh take a look at that very nice like a tea salad it's something
1: you could actually make i wonder
0: (laughs) i mean the, the innovation is just waiting there to be done yeah i think part of the um actually part of the challenge for me is like i like respecting the traditional culture but you can't be a slave to the traditional culture in the sense that you never think creatively you know? Sure. So it's like, that's exactly the sort of thing maybe I should be, be working on and trying to get more of. So cheers again. Thank you so much for coming over for tea. Yeah. Appreciate thank you for it. having me. And so, this
1: is round number two of the mm-hmm. tea.
0: So uh, let's start with a little bit of a background. Like how did you even think to start learning so many languages in the first place? Was it just like purely interest?
1: Well, I didn't I actually, I started with learning Chinese. That was mm. the first, you know, I mean, I summer after high school in 2008, I started learning Chinese, and then I ended up getting a scholarship to go to China. Where I went, and you know, and you know, there's a whole forage, for whole whole cottage industry in China of foreigners who, mm-hmm. who are on TV and radio yep. for these
0: competitions where yeah. you
1: speak Chinese and you see which foreigner has the best. Did Chinese. you do
0: like the Hunyuan Chao or something like that? I, yeah. I didn't do
1: Hanyu Chow, but I did a similar competition on CCTV, which yeah. has their own at least had at the time their own version of how you What do
0: you think as like a language person of these language competitions? Like, is this a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it like just completely unrealistic and like for whatever reason only happens in Asia? (laughs) Oh, I think it's great. I mean, I think it, I think it,
1: uh, I think uh, for me, I I had a very competitive mindset and I always, I wanted to have like the best Mm -hmm. of, of a language. And so I think, I kind of naturally gravitated towards towards this idea of like being able to compete in a televised contest to see who has the best Chinese.
0: And it is a lot of fun to go on those shows. Oh yeah, it's like super fun.
1: It's super fun, yeah. And I, I, but the thing is, I actually, you know, ironically, given my current career choice, I actually never was very good at it. Mm. I was always very good at learning languages, but I, I, I never was good on stage. I got so nervous.
0: I was never good in front of a camera. Also, I always felt as a guy, we look not too dissimilar. Um, But there were people on these shows where, like, I would go onto some of these shows on Chinese TV, and there'd be like a like five foot eleven blonde girl from Siberia who just looked amazing, Amazing. (laughs) and I was like, "I'm not winning this competition. It doesn't even matter. (laughs) Like, you know, I I want to have her on stage and not be like (laughs) not have me there." Um, I think it's one of the reasons I like comedy is because I I kind of I don't know whether this is like a, a deep personal realization moment but it's like i feel like the comedy allows me to earn my position on the stage because i don't look that good you know right. um but the 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 shows are a lot of fun to do and do you remember a like a routine that you did for the competition or like what kind of thing did you have to oh, do oh
1: yeah i did um i did some i think i just borrowed some like yeah routines from i think dashan i did i did a couple things i did uh I, I still remember, this is actually from YouTube, but I still remember there there are these things that I've memorized. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that one actually was not from the, from the, from the, from the competition. It was from, it was from later when it, I got back to the States and I wanted to keep doing the same type of thing mm. on YouTube. Mm um you know this is around 2011. I
0: really should put some of my my up on the thing you know that's the sort of stuff that'll work well on the internet.
1: But at some point I realized that I you know because because again I had this competitive mindset to want to do these 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 competitions but I realized like you I'm not like especially good looking Mm -hmm. and I'm also not um I'm not great on stage and also like, to get to that true pinnacle of Chinese, it's so funny, because people will approach me in the street and be like, hey, Xiaoma, like, oh my god, your Chinese is so good, like, you gotta, you (laughs) you must be, like, the best Chinese in the world, and, like, the reality is, like, I do speak, you know, very good Chinese for a foreigner, but, like, I'm not in the upper ech. I'm in, in, like, maybe the top 1% or the top 0.1%, but, like, there,
0: there are so to many truly, foreigners. to truly be a like linguistic performer because like Xiang like yeah. the actual comedy that I studied, they call it a, it's Shu. It's a linguistic performance art. Yeah, that's like a whole other level. Like regular Chinese people can't. Right, by. you have to study for many years, yeah. and
1: then when you look at the skill of people like, um, you know, you, but then also you know <laughs> and also you no, know, it, it's, it's, the French guy Julian. Yeah, like, Julian. Do you. you the, their level is just so extraordinary, and to get there, you need to spend so much time studying Chinese. And at some point, I just realized, like, I just don't, I just don't want to do that. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get to the level. I'm not gonna surpass this guy. They've already been there, done that. Yeah. You know, I need to kind of make my own, my own yeah. way.
0: But I think that that's correct. Like, period, full stop. You have to make your own way. That's one of the things I felt mm. like. Yeah. I always felt uncomfortable in that circle and didn't spend too much time in that circle of foreign performers because I was like, there are so many. It felt very much like foreign performance in China were a tool and certain things being built needed that tool. But it was never like, oh, these people are are succeeding because they really have made a better work than everybody else.
1: Um, To make it clear to people who are not familiar with this phenomenon, which I don't really think exists in any other country but China, there are people, like there's an entire cottage industry of foreigners who perform in Chinese at a very high level on Chinese TV and radio. And there's people, not too many, but there's, you know, a handful, there's a dozen maybe, you know, who do this as their full-time living, whether it's actors or, you know, hosting, hosting, yay, on TV, comedy in Chinese, right? And I don't, like, I've talked with my friend Matt, who speaks Japanese at a very high level, and he, he's told me that there's there's nothing similar to this phenomenon Even in, in japan In Japan, yeah i mean there there are tv shows that will get foreigners as guests on panels sure but there's no there's no industry of foreigners in japan who who do like hosting gigs or comedy full-time at a high level in yeah. japanese
0: and that know? was also one of according the, to him anyway yeah, yeah. but it, it is it is a weird thing and on one hand it was very useful i feel in the beginning of my career because when i Uh, When I first went to China, I had the Fulbright Fellowship for one year, but that wasn't a ton of money. And then afterwards, if I wanted to do this full time and perform in Chinese full time, it was very good that there was like actually an industry for it. Um, On the other hand, I realized very quickly that you're going to max out because it was not the sort of thing where like I could I could audition for real roles and outcompete Chinese actors. It was either there was a role for a foreigner and then you can outcompete all the foreign actors or you're just not in the industry at all. And yeah. it was and it and sucks to to admit that but it was I think pretty close to true and I think now completely true.
1: You're competing you're competing in an industry that's extremely niche mm-hmm. and demand for which you know can't be above like like how many presenters and TV hosts are needed who are foreigners who speak extremely good mandarin it's it's just not that high because yeah. why wouldn't they hire a chinese host yeah, yeah. you know so it well
0: so so mo- moving on in the in so you were like okay i'm not going to be doing these language competitions but there was something there was something that you felt was the combination of competitiveness and striving and language and then yeah. i guess it kind of eventually came out through your youtube
1: yeah i mean to be honest i liked showing off you yeah, know yeah. and i liked I like being able to showcase my linguistic skills and for me it was cool because I was never good at this in high school. like I, mm. like it just wasn't it wasn't something that I knew that I could do and I had studied languages in high school, but I just didn't like you know I, I never really figured out how to actually learn to speak them. you know and then when I started studying Chinese and I actually lived in China for a year and I got good at it, I was like, wow, you know this is really cool and this is kind of a skill and talent that I have for speaking languages. And so all right, maybe I'm not good at you know, good on stage and, you know, maybe I'm not the best looking, um, you know, and I'm, maybe I'm not really that funny either, but like, I can let's speak this language pretty other, well.
0: Yeah, let's go on with other things you're yeah. not good at. I'm not good, I'm not good looking. But I was good with languages. My teeth right? are a little and bit crooked, crooked <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they are and I have, crooked, I have a wart on my skin. But the language is, right. is in, and I think like, uh, I, I, I think that the, the cool thing about a language and performing in another language is that uh, people see a lot of the work in Chinese, they have a, they have a saying that so one minute on stage, uh, takes 10 years of, of work behind the scenes to pull off. And I feel like any sort of performance in the second language, you just kind of get that, Mm. you know, like people are able to see the fact that you put together the work, um, and that you're doing something that's not going to be easy to do. And so it, it opens the audience up to you. They're like more inherently, open to being nice to you um and then if you can pull it off by really making them laugh or really making them like you know amazed at the language skill or or whatever it is you're doing then like you know the the audience is ready for it they're there for you to be be good yeah does that does that make sense
1: yeah i mean the first really breakthrough hit that i had on youtube with an american or english-speaking audience you know that that video where i got like 80 million views um, of me speaking Chinese in restaurants. And, mm. You know, that video, I, you know, people were like, oh, wow, that's so easy. Like, mm. I could just <laughs> go and, you know, do that too. And mm. and a lot of people did, you know, but, um, you know, and, and it was, and there were no, you know, ostensible expenses, yeah. you know, associated with it. So I was just like going and making this video, but like the reality is it, took me, you know, 10 years to learn the Chinese yeah. to that level where I was able to to do that.
0: Yeah. Um, so it's one of those things. It's like, you know, the person who designed the Nike swoosh or whatever. It's like it looks simple, but like, you know, to be able to have the skill yeah. to be like that's how it's going to look.
1: There's a very famous there's a very famous um quote that is attributed to Pablo Picasso. I don't know if this is apocryphal or or if it actually happened, but um he is said to have uh been approached by somebody in a restaurant who recognized him and and said, "Hey, can I get can I get your autograph?" Mm-hmm. you know, and 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 Pablo Picasso he, he like quickly drew a little portrait on a on a napkin mm-hmm. and signed it and he said, "Here, yeah. 1 million dollars, please." Yeah. And she was like, "What? 1 million dollars? It took you like literally less than 30 seconds to make." And he said, "Yes, it took me 30 seconds to make, but it also took me 20 years" Of study and 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 constant, you know, practice to yeah. be able to be at this level where I can do
0: that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it takes all that stuff. Kind of wind up baked into the work, and then I'd be interested in what your take on this is. Let's say you put in that work, but that work may not be seen by all cultures at once. Like you know, I'll just give you an example. Like I did a joke that I did on um on Chinese TV about the Boston accent, mm. about so like you know like you know when, like you know. Like, there are usually a lot of R's, yeah. like, But uh, Chinese people yeah. to relate to. I park my car in Harvard Yard, yeah. yeah. like, you know, so it was a park my car in Harvard Yard joke. And I put this on Instagram, and I had a bunch of people being like, oh, that's so hack, that joke is so old. And I was like, what I'm doing with that joke is that I, you know, in China, where everybody's a foreigner, I wanted to be a guy from Boston. I want to be a real person. It turned out that it took me years to find a breakthrough joke where I could like relate to what they understood enough yeah. and get them to be like, oh, you're not even an American. You're like, Jesse from Boston. Um, but that sort of like work behind the scenes is not always seen by the, uh, by the, uh, the audience in another country. They're just like, yeah. oh, you literally took a hack joke and did it. Right. Um, do you ever feel like you're sometimes you create a work that is gonna be playing in one culture and another culture a different way, and you just have to like deal with the fact that people all over the internet are gonna interpret it differently?
1: Yeah, I mean, you can't as a as a performer or as a creator um, you don't you don't have control over how people are gonna perceive what you do, and in fact it it almost isn't like you can't have any expectation on. On what the audience should know, and the fact that it took you so much time to make this video, like the audience doesn't appreciate it. Well, it, it doesn't really matter because you know if you think about your own personal consumption of entertainment or media, like you know you're not thinking about how much time and money it took them to make this Netflix show. You're just yeah. thinking about whether it was good or Do it I, was not. I enjoy it or not. You know, and if it was shitty, it doesn't matter how long it took them to make. You're just like, oh, it was a shitty show. I'm gonna click onto the next thing. You know, so as a as a performer and as an entertainer, I I can't. And even just as a businessman, you know, with a language course business, you know, I can't have any expectation on the audience. You know, I have to just do what I think people will enjoy. And sometimes I'm right and sometimes I'm not right. And very often, I'm not right. And you know, when I'm not like, I, there's nothing I can do, but move on, yeah. you know, the how, next thing.
0: How do you feel like when you spend say like weeks learning a language mm-hmm. and go somewhere to speak it and then the results don't come?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, that happens all the time. Mm. happens all the time. And again, there's there's like, <laughs> there's nothing I can what do about it. You know, I've, I've for sure, I've spent weeks on videos that, that turn out to be a total bust, and I don't even post them.
0: And then you don't even them. post them. Yeah. And then you, they'll finish them and you look at them and you say, usually, that's not
1: Usually it. I will post them. Um, I mean, but the worst is like, the worst is like when i when I spent all this time and money and I, I've spent like thousands of dollars and weeks and months of my time making videos that just turn out to be total shit. And mm. you No, know, like I think they're cool. And when I post them, I'm like, damn, this is gonna go super viral. But then I post it and like nobody cares and the comments <laughs> are all like this is retarded.
0: Have you have you ever thought of having a separate channel that's called Shalma Just Shit where it's just the shitty videos? No, because I feel like <laughs> like
1: YouTube is very intelligent. Like you know, it it but, serves but up it serves up the content. Them. Like, cause the great part about YouTube is like. If it's not good, nobody will see it because YouTube just won't promote it to them. Yeah, this is actually—I actually actually
0: have been like—I tell this to people who are trying to get started, and and like originally it sounds kind of like pessimistic or like uh, Mm -hmm. it should be depressing, but I think it's not. It's like if you're nobody's gonna watch your stupid videos. If you're bad, (laughs) no one will see it. Yeah, like no one will see you fail. It's actually impossible. If you if you are good, people will see it. If you are bad, no one will see it. So you really have complete openness to fail when you have no following
1: unless you go viral for the wrong reasons which That's does true. happen occasionally yeah. but in 99 of the time you just won't go viral because your videos are bad and yeah. or i, I don't want to say bad but not interesting yeah you know not interesting to some audience that yeah. that could be interested in videos how do you decide what type of video is going to be interesting on youtube i mean i just have to like I, I made videos for a very long time that never went viral and i I just kind of, it was just fun for me. I like making videos about languages. I, I like speaking languages and studying languages. And so I made videos for a very long time with nobody watching. Um, and then, you know, occasionally something would go viral. And when something went viral, I just would try to make more stuff similar to that. And it's essentially, re, you know, remained my approach. Um, and I, But I, I always have to make stuff that, that is in concert with who I am. Mm. And, um, you know, I don't make stuff that... That I am not good at, or I'm not interested in, um, and when I try to do those things, I, you know, I just inevitably fail, and it's and the results are it's not great.
0: Yeah, I feel like a lot of times people think, oh, if you're if you're good at making content and you have the followers, then like you know whatever you want to do is going to work. And I haven't found it to be. It's no not long. true. No, it's it's, not, I haven't found it's, it.
1: it. It's it's totally not true. I mean, I I, I always hope that would be the case. You know, I I and I and I. And I consistently try to experiment on my channel, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes the experiments succeed, and that's great. I mean, a great example of this is my, you know, massage videos. Like, I just tried doing it one time, and it ended up working out, and. Now I do all kinds of like weird massages and body, training. like for some weird reason, people enjoy watching me <laughs> get, <massaged>. get massages <laughs> and like haircuts and this is like shit. literally
0: my life dream, you know? Yeah. Like I'm like such a. I know it well,
1: and it's funny because a lot of people will be like, "Wow, that's like that's like the cushiest job ever to get get massages." <laughs> um, and so yeah, you know, sometimes, you know, but then but then like a lot of times I'll, I try other you know experiments and they just like.
0: Don't work. Yeah, you'd you know? be like, well, people... I'd also like to fancy to wear fancy watches, and then people might right. not it's care. Just
1: not interested. You That's know, so food funny. videos is something I've tried to get. I would watch you get a massage for a lot time. Yeah, lots of people want, want to watch me massage. get massages. Right, it happens to be a different audience from the people who like watching me speak languages in public, but. Um, <laughs> you know i i, I and, and they're always very confused when i upload like these weird did i
0: ever videos. show you the video i made like a video of a massage i got in china they, they did this thing called huo liao. have you heard of this It's fire treatment uh is so it that, cupping with spreading a? no they um they take a um they is take it whacking a, your back with like torches no they they take the uh they take a towel and lay it down on your back and spray it with alcohol and then light it on fire oh God! and it's supposed to like bring out the heat but because the towel was wet and having alcohol on it it won't like literally burn you immediately it heats up the whole towel and mm-hmm. i remember i did a video blog on this yeah. way back that i actually never even released but i didn't see this when that was happening because i was on my back and my friend was taking the video mm-hmm. and the guy had his alcohol in like a basically like a no food spring water oh cup with like some holes poked oh in it no. and he sprayed it on there and then he lit the thing and then it didn't light and then he gives it like hmm? <laughs> and then he tries it again and it lit the second time but that like the failure to light and then he was like oh huh? it was like straight out of a cartoon so funny. i'm like i gotta dig up that footage but um but yeah there's some wacky treatments um for a spa lifestyle where do you go oh we went to the baths in um in uh in yeah. new york in yeah. the the russian and turkish bath new york is a
1: great place there's all kinds of people who will do many interesting and weird things to your body i love in new york baths. City.
0: i don't i mean like this is i don't know if people know this about me but i'm a big bath guy i like to oh, take yeah. a bath almost every night yeah. and uh in, here in la there's a wee spa the uh the korean spa if you want to go we can oh god yeah but the um, sounds great actually. but like i i just love like um that sort of thing and saunas if, steam. saunas i'd love to go to japan and go to some of those onsens have you yeah. ever done that
1: uh I don't th- Oh, you know no 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 i the closest that I've, I've come there's like Korean spots in New York where you mm-hmm. can go and in the winter sit outdoors oh, in the hot good. pool. Yeah, I haven't done it in Japan though.
0: Yeah, I, I, I got um, to go If anybody has an onsen and wants to invite me to Japan, like I, I will go. I will totally go. I'm, I'm um, in with you. So the uh so anyway, so you have these things that you discover, like you discovered that people will watch you getting massages. Yeah. How do you balance how much of your content is kind of giving the audience what they want and how much is that experimental? You have no idea whether it's going to work.
1: Um, you know, Google has a, has a nice, has a nice, uh, I don't think they do this anymore, but they have that, that 20% rule where, you know, the audience spends 20% of their time or the employees spend 20% of their time on, on kind of like free play sort of fun projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I try to do something similar with my content, you know, every one in five or one in four videos, I try to do something weird, experimental or, or edgy. And, you know, most of the time it doesn't work, but occasionally it does. And, um, and sometimes it leads to new and interesting avenues of success. So, you know, I, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's how it got me to this, to this point. And I mean, now I'm spending a lot of time on my, on my other businesses, than, than content, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, as far as content goes, yeah, I like to experiment.
0: Yeah, because I feel like I always have this like temptation where it's like one of the reasons I started doing the short videos for the tea is because one tea is actually I think a really good topic for short video because mm-hmm. people and generally people in the West don't know that much about tea, so you like, hey, this is raw pu'ar tea. I could totally talk about that for sixty seconds. But also, I sometimes worry that I you know. It took me too long to do something like this where I'm like really breaking out of that mold. Mm. And um, I don't know if it's because I would be worried it wouldn't work or just you just realize that like, oh, it's not going to be the most time efficient way of, you know, you could you could make a show like this and maybe no one would watch it, you know.
1: Well, of course. Yes. But you have to you have to assume, you know, when you when you do that, that 20 percent rule you know you have to assume that much of that time is going to be wasted yeah right but it's not really or a waste, waste yeah it's not waste. really a waste i mean the final product yes nobody might might watch it but the learning that you get from it yeah is is possibly not a waste I well mean, that's because yeah. i've tried so many things on youtube at this point and i and i sort of i know what i'm good at and Mm-hmm. And I know what I'm not good at, you mm-hmm. know, and that's and that's knowing what you're not good at is is almost as important as knowing what you are good at.
0: Do you ever feel like there are things you want to be good at desperately that you're not good oh, at and yes, keep course. trying? Yes, yes, <laughs> what yes. Are, what are those things? <laughs> oh, many
1: things, many things. I mean, I, I wish I was funnier. For yeah, um, I wish I was a good storyteller. I'm not. I see so many. You don't YouTubers. think so? No, I think I'm a terrible storyteller. I think there's so many YouTubers who are good at. I think the, the pinnacle of, of of a good YouTuber is somebody who can make most mundane day in their life. Interesting. Uh, somebody like Casey Neistat is yeah. a perfect example of this. Yeah, he really you know, a lot of those Taking a, a shit of, in the toilet, like 12 million views. You know? Yeah, yeah. And and, it, and it's just it's like the 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 real the artistry and the storytelling behind that um is something that that I've tried working on, but it's just I'm just not there.
0: It's funny you know? we were I was literally setting up that camera and we were talking right. about this. I said like I feel like I'm a better Storyteller creator and and not a good grindy creator by which like those mm. sort of projects like you may work yeah. for weeks learning a language yeah. on one video right. that sort of grindiness I just find I don't have the uh, I don't have the stick yeah. with itness to do yeah um, but I'm,
1: I'm very good at, at doing something boring for a, a very long stretch of time <laughs> which is an incredibly
0: <laughs> valuable skill yeah. like in it, many cases it, yes it, it, it's it's a very valuable skill when it can be paired to something you actually yeah. enjoy doing
1: well it's great for I'll say it's great for learning languages because. Learning languages, something that what something that people don't understand is, learning languages isn't actually hard. Mm. Like if you want to learn French or if you want to learn Chinese, you you it's not rocket science. Mm. You know, you you sit down an hour a day and you speak to somebody in French. You get a French tutor or even just like you read a book, you do a course, you sit in like, you will get good at French. Mm. You will be speaking French within a few months. Like it will happen. Mm. You know. But the hard part is just sitting down actually doing it. Slogging that. through this yeah. day after day after day. Can you do that? Most people yeah. can't. Yeah. You know? I can. I'm very you very very, very, very
0: good you're like, at that. Like can you slog you know? and like, you know, yeah. grind? I can. Right? No, but, and that's
1: what I do with Chinese.
0: Yeah. And I got very you're Chinese, good. You <laughs> yeah. have to do that. And I went through those periods. Like I yeah. took those intensive classes in China where we had to learn hundred characters a day and then yeah. the next day we had a test on them. And I was able to do it for quite a while, but I think um, I, I clearly can't do it for years and years and years. But the, um, that sort of, uh, that, that that idea mm-hmm. that the languages are not actually hard, they just need time. I feel like a lot of times people think there's a shortcut. And maybe yep. for some things there are, but like, you know, people, how did you learn how to read all those characters? I right. wrote them a bajillion times. Yeah, and then shortcut, eventually I can read them. It's, sim- you know.
1: it's similar to things like uh, losing weight or mm. bodybuilding, you know? Like if you want to lose weight, that's also not something that's very hard. There's no rocket science to losing weight. Like you just eat less, Mm. but you eat less consistently. You eat less a lot and just do it day after day after day after day until you're like, you're just, your mind is going to fucking explode. I want to eat some fucking chips right now. And you don't eat those chips. You know, like you just have to do that a lot, right? And so like I lost, you know, 20 pounds in the past two months. Just by eating less. I thought you look good. You know, yeah, I, I thought you. you yeah. yeah,
0: but it's. So but that's something just, I'm good
1: at. You know, it's something I'm good at.
0: I feel like that's the sort of thing that I really struggle with, and, and when I've when I have succeeded, I've me, I've been able to really compartmentalize the thing. I was like, I'm gonna make one T video a day every day, and I'm gonna do that for as long <laughs> as I really can. And um, in the beginning, it was necessary to get going because in the beginning of those processes, you don't see results in day one. Mm. You really need to think of this as like, I'm putting a dollar in the bank every day. And if I put a dollar in the bank every day and there's interest, you know, one day I'm gonna look back in there and there's gonna be a bunch of money in the bank. That's right. Um, And so I think, I heard a quote that kind of reminds me of this. It says, people radically overestimate what they can get done in one year and underestimate what they can get done in five. Yeah. And it's like one of those things where, like, looking back, it's like, yeah, I always don't seem to get as much done as I want to today. But then when you look back over five years or ten years, it's like I put a bunch of, bunch of money in the bank, whether it's doing comedy shows or learning how to edit video or, you know, being like, you know, able to, you know, throw up some basic lighting or whatever. Right. You know, that all stuff comes in there. So we're gonna take a quick break. Uh, we're gonna try another tea. And um, thank you all for watching this first half. This is Salma. Uh, and I'm Jesse, and we'll, we'll be right back. The internet is a dangerous place. A VPN can help protect you from that danger. What danger? Think of something. Now think of something you haven't even thought of. That could happen to you. The problem with most VPNs though is they taste way worse than tea. We interviewed one of our coders to find out why. Well, you're asking why the VPN tastes worse than tea. What do you mean? It's software, it's not excuses. Of course, this could all be avoided by buying tea directly from Jesse's Tea House. Jesse gets his teas straight from small tea shops and tea farmers in China and puts them into his subscription service. Use the code JessePod for $10 off your first order of $30 or more. Hello everybody and welcome back to Tea Time with Jesse. We're here today with Xiaomi NYC. Thanks so much for coming by. That was a great ad just there. That was a good ad. Oh, oh yeah. it was so good, so good. <laughs> I don't even know what we put there. <laughs> Whatever it was, it was great. Um, <laughs> but um, hey, Chelsea, going on? it's great. So we're going to try white tea now. I asked uh, what you'd like. We uh, we're going to try this. Uh, this is the 2017 White Dew White Tea. Wow. Um, I really love these leaves. I'm going to show you these leaves. Uh, okay. This is part of the subscription box that launched in November and it's going to continue through until. February although it'll still be available after that it just won't be part why of is the it called
1: white tea because it is not white
0: So the uh, the question is is an interesting question. So the Chinese usually this looks like leaves I would pick up in the park. Yeah, I mean, look at, look that. at that. Isn't that cool. That is so cool. so and the reason is is because white tea What it is is just picked sun-dried. That's it. Yeah So all the other teas that go through oh, they're fermented or they're roasted or they're whatever the white tea is the simplest kind of purest type of tea you can get in the sense that it's literally just leaves that have been sun-dried. Um, and so it really is, um, you need to have good quality. Cause like, why do that with Mm. bad leaves? Um, but also the result of is just a very pure, fresh flavor, which I really like. Um, so we'll show that over here. Um, you asked, uh, white tea, why is it called white tea? So the, the Chinese choose the color of the tea that they name it after the color of the tea liquor. So like the actual tea uh, itself. Yeah. So that's why what in the West they call black tea, the Chinese call red tea, because the liquor is kind of like a red, but the leaves are dark black. So the British called it black tea because the leaves were dark black. Yeah. But the Chinese call it white tea, because the leaves are basically, uh, the leaves have these white hairs on them. Mm-hmm. See if we can show you some of those hairs. This guy has a bunch of them. Hair. Hairy tea. Yeah, I don't know if we have a, we'll show you a close that? up from another video. but they have these white hairs on them and you'll see them floating oh, gosh, around. Yeah, that is, that's a little peachy. It looks like a little
1: peach fuzz. Yeah, think.
0: exactly. So those, um, and those are called hao. Um, so the, um, uh, so if you ever heard like silver needle, silver white needle. tea, the Chinese name is Yinjin. Mm, yeah, It's a hao, hal, white, white hao. Mm-hmm. Um, with silver needle. So it's definitely like, um, it's definitely one of, I think one of the under, like the slept on teas in that it's really tasty um it's very good and it's uh uh it's sweet it definitely like fits the taste of a lot of the like american tea drinkers or like you know non-chinese tea drinkers and yet it's like not very well known outside of china which is really a shame so this first deep we're going to do a wash um the color is going to be darker as you see once it actually like hmm. comes through so this first deep you can drink it but it's um
1: looks like a like a yeah. Gorgeous, kind of golden, peachy color. Yeah, that's nice. So you can
0: pick whichever Pet you'd like to dump on. <laughs> dump on them. Give it the frog. Here we go. Give it to the where's frog. Where's uh, where's Clyde? Clyde is over there somewhere. Uh, Clyde is a, a little bit of a big deal. It's hard to book Clyde for these things. Oh. Clyde's like busy. Okay. He's, he's, got <laughs> he's got projects.
1: He's got projects.
0: <laughs> he's got projects. Hashtag Team Clyde. He's Always true LA, just yeah. constantly trending on on TikTok. Um, you know, but he's, he's good at what he does. What can we say? He sits there. He has keyboard on him. Yeah. Not many people, they think they can do it. They can't, yeah. can't, they can't do it. Do you drink coffee? I actually have had like seven cups of coffee in my whole life. Really? <laughs> yeah. So I'm right. not a big coffee drinker. I just didn't like the taste. And then, um, now that I do this sort of like, you know, the tea thing, I think a lot of people have been asking me about coffee. Should I try coffee? I actually yeah. would be interested in trying some good coffee. I wonder how much of my aversion to the taste of coffee was like when I was younger, I had, like, really bad coffee. Sure. In the same way, like, some people are like, oh, I don't like tea. Yeah. Because yeah. they, they had, like, a Lipton tea bag that was steep for eight minutes once, and then they're like, oh, tea is bad. I'm like, nah, man.
1: Another thing you might, you might like to try, um, there are many other caffeinated plants that are used for drinks, mm. mostly in the uh, the Elex genus, so...
0: You're bringing out the, the, uh, the, the caff- scientific... Caff-
1: yeah, caffeinated holly plants, like... Um, Yiusa, yes. Yerba mate is in the family, but there's others like Wayusa is one. I really as want well. to try that. I, mm-hmm. I mean,
0: I'd love to do a. Tra- make
1: delicious beverages. would be. I'd love to do a yeah. travel
0: show sometime where I can try like teas of the world and yep. like go and do that. Uh, cheers. Cheers. By way. Enjoy the white tea. Ooh. Oh my gosh. I so, love it. It's so fruity smelling. Wow. That the. Okay. It's just like. What do you think?
1: Wow. I love this. It's like a, it's almost like a nutty flavor. Yeah. There's a,
0: there's a, a little bit of an herbal taste to it. Cause it's aged, uh, 2017. So that's six years aged. Yeah. Wow. So the aging brings out the herbal flavor and Delicious. it'll be even more, uh, clear in the, in the middle steeps. Mm. Um, but like, yeah, I, love it. I just think that the, uh, like really good tea, what I always look for is like, there's a lot going on, but it's not overpowering. Like there's no one note that's like, Oh, this is like, like too sweet or too bitter or too whatever.
1: Jump here. Beautiful mm. color.
0: Love that! You know? It's a very good tea. The um, this tea has been a hit. Um, we've already had to restock it twice. Wow! Um, which is which is great. Um, yeah,
1: I can see why it's delicious.
0: So anyway, so I want to talk a little bit more about the cool stuff you were telling me about your AI. Yeah. Um, uh, AI language learning. Mm-hmm. What is this? It's an AI language learning. Yeah. Robot.
1: Yeah, it's a <laughs> it's a, you know bilingual speech to speech conversation partner, mm. um, and. You know, I mean, the, the inspiration for this is just inspired by my direct experience of learning through tutors, which, mm. uh, you know, speaking is the best way to learn a language. Mm-hmm. Like, I've found this through trial and error, I agree. having studied with dozens of languages, you know, and having studied more languages than possibly anybody else on the planet at this <laughs> point, you know, I, like, I figured out. What works and what doesn't work, and mm. speaking practice works. Yeah, and it's not only does it work, but it's also the most effective and it's well, the best. It's. And, mm. and then I, try, but but when I try to tell people like, hey, you know, they're like, how do I get good at language as fast as possible? I'm like, go find a speaking partner. They're like, oh, but that's expensive, or like, you know, I work weird hours. I can't mm. I can't schedule times yeah. with tutors, or like, you know, it it takes too long, and I have to schedule like these hour-long chunks or like a people that I hear is it makes me too anxious like I I just don't want to do speaking practice I can't open my mouth and say the first thing without feeling like they're going to judge me for how shitty my accent is Mm -hmm. right so I think this is where AI can play an amazing role because it's cheaper it's less awkward and um it's way easier to schedule and you can do it while taking a shit in the toilet you know and it's true um
0: is this like your general like thing for like the best language is learned while taking a shit on the toilet is that like is that's <laughs> no the I, ideal I, place? I don't think
1: like no i, I so <laughs> i i like i would encourage people to sit down and make the time make half an hour or an hour a day to you know focus adapt, study. To, to folk to do focus study but the reality is like many people can't do that or they mm. don't want to they just don't have the time
0: even even like just the uh i remember my time in china like uh you, there's a weird amount of learning that goes on while you're on the toilet or in between things of like you'll get people to send a 60 second voice me- message mm-hmm. to you on WeChat. Yep. now you have to hear this right. and like okay, what are they saying and then reply exactly. to it even though it is not literal speaking practice. Yep. it essentially is speaking practice. right. So perhaps
1: taking a sheet on the toilet is a bit too cavalier. I would say it's more like it's more like to fill in those kind of interstitial moments where, you're transition between activities, and you, you want to practice. Like maybe you have five minutes. Yeah. But if all you have is five minutes, then that's better than no minutes. Yeah. And if you have only five minutes per day, and you do that for a year, like you're going to be speaking something. If all you've been doing in those five minutes is speaking
0: practice. That is true. Right. Like you're going to realize I just be realized left this uh, this uh, thing off the side. <laughs> we really have to have something. Okay. Uh, get back to your thing. All right. Imagine that was magically solved. All right. Um, so you're saying if you only have five minutes, it's still worth putting in that, that energy and time then?
1: Yeah, it's better than no minutes. Um, and uh, you will get results you, from just five minutes of speaking.
0: Mm. Do you think that like speaking, like what makes speaking so good for learning languages? I mean, I know that sounds kind of like a stupid question, yep. but there's, there's reading, there's writing, there's listening. There's, there are many things you could be spending your time on. What about speaking really makes it work? It's the recall.
1: Mm. It's the it's the active recall of what you've learned. And what I've noticed is that if you simply study passively, you will learn something, but it's not going to be remotely comparable to what you will learn by active recall. Mm. And, like, yes, there is... You do get value by saying phrases aloud from a book or a course, and that, that is valuable. But what's even more valuable is when you say things out loud with... with some other entity, you know, yeah. previously. Well, that's what humans. feels like
0: so stupid. Like you know, dónde está la biblioteca? is like right. no one ever, right, has been like yeah. stopping people on the street and having to ask where the library is. That's it's right. like And and it feels like it feels like I failed so thoroughly at being a real human being that it almost doesn't matter what you say back to me. I'm already dead inside.
1: You know, like, yeah, <laughs> that's that's right. And so if you're learning these these stilted phrases you're not really learning the language. I mean, if your goal is to learn to speak, then the way that you do that is by speaking. You know, it's the way that people, the way that most people learn a language is, it's like in school and in typical courses and, you know, at university, it's analogous to learning to ride a bike by reading a book on physics. Like in theory, theory, yes, you are there is you must maintain a precise angular momentum yeah, X, in y, order Z for access. the gyroscopic activity of the but but you're not you're not actually learning to ride the mm-hmm. bike and it's only when you can connect the the mental muscle of your activity mm-hmm. of how you move of how your legs move of how your arms move to the motion of the bike, that you can then learn to really ride the bike. And it's the same with languages.
0: Yeah, and then this is why I love improv comedy as a way of teaching language. Like I would do improv in a second language and we would have people mm-hmm. in China that would come and do improv in English. And yep. when you do an improv scene, it's perfect because it doesn't mean anything. You can fail, go ahead and do it. Go ahead and fail, we'll, the scene will be over in three minutes. But for those three minutes, it really feels like it matters because you're, you're up on stage. so like they're like you know you'll be in all sorts of predicaments you wouldn't normally find yourself in and you have to be like all synapses firing try and understand the who what when where why yeah um you know get your language moving and try to and if you can even be funny be funny Mm -hmm. um although as an improv person i will say don't go for the joke you're like you you don't need to do that it will come but um that speaking practice i feel is so important and do you feel like um do you feel like getting kind of a, a halfway to a real person, sort of with the AI, will help people overcome that sort of fear of talking to other people?
1: Uh, I don't know. Actually, I'm I'm neutral on it's, that question.
0: It's new, right? But, but I, I mean, will say I will
1: say that I don't know if it'll help you overcome your anxiety of speaking with a real person. But I do know that it will help you learn to speak. Mm. That I'm a hundred percent confident. Well, that's, in. that's a good point. How and, much of and, that? And, and when you get better at speaking. With an AI, then you'll also be better at speaking with a person. And in theory, that should reduce your anxiety speaking with a person. Yeah.
0: Because well. it's definitely like, you know, part of the anxiety is the language, and part of the anxiety is you're just not good at it. Like, right. you know, of if, course, you're, if yes, you're doing exactly. something in public, you're so, not good
1: at it. Yeah. So I see this as a bridge to being able to get speaking practice without having to face that initial massive wave of anxiety mm. that comes with speaking with a real human being.
0: Do you feel like a worry about, I mean, this is kind of a one of those grand AI topics, but like, yeah. do you feel like the AI language learning translation programs and apps are gonna get to the point where they're so good, there's just no reason to learn a language anymore?
1: Well, I, we're already at that phase. And so? I, I don't think that like, I mean, there's no, like right now, you know, translation is already so good that, you know, for the most part, you don't, like, you can go to, you can go to any country on the planet right now with Google Translate and, you know, get around fine. Like, you don't really need to learn a language for practical purposes. But I, but I'll say, I mean, I'll say a couple things. I'll say one, people want the human connection. Yeah. You know, people want to be able to, to, like, really say something and make somebody's day by speaking the language and you're never gonna get that through an app, doesn't yeah. matter how good the apps get. Well, it's right? like the, yeah. and when they see that you've done that work and you appreciate their culture, you understand that their culture even exists, is even a thing, mm-hmm. then then they'll they'll reciprocate. Yeah. And they'll be excited to see you and excited to see that you made an effort to learn something about them. You know, and that's exciting. And that human connection, that's always gonna be a thing. And in fact, I think it's gonna be an even greater thing the stronger that AI gets. Yeah. You know, we're gonna need that human connection more. Well, this more, is like one of those aspects. things is like... And the other thing that I'll say is, this is almost similar to what happened with chess as well. Like, computers have gotten so good at chess and so much better than humans. Like, right now you can run on the shittiest PC, mm-hmm. uh, you know, an off-the-shelf computer software that can beat easily beat nine times out of 10 the world's greatest human chess player. And yet chess has never been more popular in the world. And it's because you know, we need things to do as humans that are beyond AI. You know, mm. We can still study chess and enjoy it as a game without thinking that we're going to compete and exceed
0: yeah. humans. Well, right? it's kind of like the weird thing I've noticed about a lot of this stuff is the, the cheaper it becomes to do things pretty well, the more it matters to people that you spent all that extra energy to get the last couple percent, you know?
1: Exactly. It's like diamonds. Yeah. You know, um, natural diamonds for whatever reason, uh, people, you know, people want, even when, as is the case now, synthetic diamonds are actually better. Mm. Synthetic diamonds are actually clearer. They're actually shinier. They're actually better cut, you know, than, than real natural diamonds that came from the earth. But, People st- and they're harder. They're you know yeah, they're yeah. better in every respect. But people still prefer the natural natural diamonds, diamonds because there's a story mm-hmm. behind them. Yeah. because it came from this million billion year old process that produced these rocks under intense pressure, and then you got
0: it from the ground, and
1: that's what you want.
0: I, I remember you know? I, was, I was reading a book, um, and they won the And they're
1: like 10x yeah. more expensive than the synthetic diamonds.
0: Yeah, which is which is crazy if you think about crazy. it. Crazy. Yeah. I remember I was reading a book, and they mentioned this sort of thing. They said like a DVD player is like a marvel <laughs> of engineering, incredibly well-designed like fit to amazing precision product and you can buy one for 20 bucks yeah. but yeah. a bowl that is handmade by a potter mm. could be worth hundreds of dollars yeah. and um or thousands
1: if it's an antique, thousands you yeah know?
0: exactly and so the question is why and and i think the one reason the author said was that uh in a world of amazing wealth of of stuff yeah. the one thing that will never go away that will never have too much of is time your life is only so long as your life is That's and right. if you have the time of a master or the time of an expert that time is even more valuable because you know they also only get 24 hours in the day so if you have um i think that's kind of to some degree why maybe even people watch the tea channel is like, you know, you can go on Amazon and search tea. Like, this is not a secret, or I hope it's not. Yes. Right. Otherwise, I just really yeah. blew it. Uh, but like, no, right. but the thing is, you're- They you're, want your selection. Well, the, yeah. They want like, your the thing is, curation. I've spent so much time drinking so many teas and I try really hard not to put junk on the website and there's no junk on the website. Yep. Everything that I select, um, at least I liked. And even that basic process, but put through the lens of somebody that has a lot like resources and tea, you know, it doesn't do me much good to be selecting amongst teas on Amazon or whatever, because a lot of that stuff is not so good. And the cool part is that as an mm -hmm. American who mm -hmm. enjoys Chinese tea, Mm -hmm.
1: you know, you have a really unique insight into what other Americans
0: might like. Well, that was the thing, it's like, go to a tea mountain uh, and they will try to get you to buy 18 different types of raw puer. And I'm like, I like that, but I can't explain to the right. audience the difference between 18 types of raw puas. Maybe two. Yeah. But, like, maybe an, an aged and a young. And I hope that eventually the audience really will, you know, people will see more and more of the videos, and maybe people would like it one time to have a box that's like four different raw mm-hmm. together. But, like, the, the tea people in China don't really have a good grasp of what will be interesting for the Western tea drinkers. And some people use this to essentially trick people which is to say they'll buy bad tea and they'll say it's whatever Chinese traditional, blah, blah, blah. But it's just the tea that China, the Chinese people wouldn't drink, so that's why they could get it cheap. Um, a lot of the, uh, like, you know, the, basically anything you find in a tea bag is kind of gonna be like that. Um, and, uh, you know, you can abuse the fact that people need this, uh, this help nowadays to sort through the junk. Yeah. Uh, and so maybe to some degrees, learning the language is saying sorting through the human junk to say like I have put in the time to try to communicate with you and it was costly and it was difficult and uh, and I didn't practically even need to do it. You know, yeah. I did it because I really care and I want to learn from you and I want to show with my finite resource of my time that I really am at least approaching this with an open heart and an open mind.
1: Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah.
0: So like, so let's say, um Uh, Just from your experiences, like, you know, can you share a time when you learned a language that maybe is a a small or a niche language, uh, and then what the people thought about it when you showed up and were able to speak?
1: Oh, so many. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, you know, indigenous American languages, Navajo, Ojibwe, Yucatec Maya, you know, like, to this day, I get emails from native tribes around North America Asking me, like, can I come to their community and learn their language oh, wow. and, you know, help promote their language and culture, you know, which are in many cases sadly dying out, mm. you know, and like those from that's like the most exciting.
0: That's really just cool
1: to read, right? And, um, uh, yeah. What,
0: what kind of, um, uh what kind of challenges do you have when you're learning say like a native american language are there anything specific about them from the language perspective linguistic perspective oh or? they're the hardest they're really hard
1: yeah N- north american languages tend to be extremely difficult because they're they're glutinative and like they're, no they're just, yeah they're 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 very um they just work in they just work in very unexpected ways from that you would never see in eurasian or african languages um yeah well like so navajo for example has animacy where depending on the noun class the the you know like you can't say the 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 boy you know the, the 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 bird pecks the girl you have to say the girl was pecked by the bird because the bird is less animate it's like a mm. kind of a lower spiritual order than, than the. And so oh, you wow. have to constantly keep the word order in mind but then also additionally like verbs are extremely complex and you know everything is made from a from a stem so to say the word for for example plow you need to you need to construct that from the root word for dig and then you have to modify it with like six different stems you know to talk about how deep the digging is wow. and you know, like what time of year the digging is occurring and, you know, who the speaker is and and all of these different suffixes and prefixes in order to change the meaning of the root. So it's like trying to construct a language out of Lego bricks and it just just gets extremely, extremely complicated. This is
0: one of the things that's like language evolved to be something that was learned like when you're a child and you pick it up slowly over many Mm -hmm. years and it's like it really didn't evolve. Like there's no, the language makes no promise that you'll ever be able to learn it as an adult you know
1: yeah and and i think what happens is when you get when you get communities that have been more isolated over thousands of years they tend to develop more intricate and this is not my pet theory but they tend to develop more intricate and complex languages because they don't have there's no need for foreigners to learn these languages. It's like the
0: exact opposite of a pigeon, which is to mm-hmm. say, because yes, exactly. we all needed to figure this yeah. out real fast, we made yeah. it simple.
1: A, a perfect example of language in the opposite direction is Malay Indonesian, mm. where um, you know because of the, the 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 intense trading that occurred in Southeast Asia over the Straits of Malacca for thousands of years, you know that language again. This is my kind of personal yeah. pet theory. Needed to be very. Uh, easily learned Mm. by foreigners or by, you know, people with different tribal languages. Mm. And they all needed some kind of lingua franca that had to be simple simple enough that many different people from different ethnic backgrounds could use to communicate together. So
0: would you say Malay is one of the easier languages to learn that?
1: Yes, in in my opinion, it's the easiest language to learn. Um, That easiest language that an alien could learn. Like like if you or me as English speakers wanted to learn like an easy language, it would be dutch or norwegian Mm -hmm. or swedish but like the easiest easiest language that an alien from outer space who's coming to earth to learn it'd probably be like malay or indonesian i think
0: that's well this is also another point that people are like whether a language is hard or easy to learn it depends Mm -hmm. on who you are
1: it does but there but there are absolute there are languages that are more or less absolutely easy to learn um just like just because you know if, if a language if a verb conjugates six different ways in one, or a hundred different ways in one language, That's just and it hard. conjugates zero different ways in another language, like one is objectively easier than the other.
0: That makes you know? sense. That's one of the things I liked about Chinese. Was I always yeah. hated conjugating my verbs in Spanish? Oh yeah, and conjugation so, sucks. It's a waste of time. Yeah, and there should, no, yeah. no language should have conjugation. You're, if you could be, mm-hmm. if you could be ruler of the universe and change yeah. everybody's brains. I would.
1: Ab- I would abolish conjugation. <laughs> I, I would, there's many features of language. I would abolish tense probably. I would abolish. Tense. Yeah. Is that not useful? Tense is also what Was necessary. it not
0: useful? <laughs> Will it
1: not be useful? Uh, from context, it usually is useful. <laughs> yesterday, it is useful.
0: Yeah. It is
1: perfectly intelligible. You don't need to say yesterday it was useful. Like, oh, that's so, true. So, um, and that's how Chinese works, how well, so many me. Asian languages work. Got me um, questioning myself Yeah, wow. yeah right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yesterday, yeah. is it useful?
0: Right. Uh, but, but yeah, mm-hmm. the, um, but. You're, you're totally true in the sense that, like, you know, in, in Chinese, you have particles, which are kind of annoying, but like, it, but fundamentally, you know, Ch-
1: Chinese is not a perfect language. I mean, in terms of in terms of easy, I get I think, I think, for me, Indonesian approaches that like, platonic ideal of an easy to learn and elegant language. Hmm. Um, but I that language is not perfect, either. The yeah, yeah. no there's no there's no really perfect
0: language. So if you could again in the sense of you're the you're the you know emperor of the universe sort mm-hmm. of thing, yeah. if you could make a change to the way we teach language in the United States, what yeah. would it be? Oh,
1: I think everybody should have an iPad connected with a kid in Guatemala if you're learning Spanish. Yeah. And vice versa, <laughs> the kids in Guatemala should have, you know, they're all they're all learning English through kids in the United States. Mm. You know, and so like the teacher does a lesson, "Hey, this is our 10-minute drill about how um, you know how the the past tense works and now we're actually going to practice it with kids in spain mm. or mexico or guatemala or and we then have we're going to speak technology. and then they're going to do the reverse in english and we can do that right now yeah but i don't know i think with ai it also would be cool which yeah. is why we're, we're building this AI also system. time zones are a problem yes time like, zones you know. would be a problem too so i think that i think that ai in the future will be very helpful for this mm um but yeah i mean i think just i think just in general like actual speaking practice more practical
0: practice because that's it's kind of like the thing is i remember somebody once said like if a if a time traveler from the 1800s were to come to our modern age they would recognize almost nothing about life except for a classroom (laughs) like they would like they would be like oh yeah they're all still sitting in rows and with some major uh, the couple minor exceptions (laughs) and let's be honest if you have you live in a wealthier place where they have teachers that spend time planning special lessons and seminars and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I think the education
1: Um, system needs to be really overhauled. Yeah.
0: But so for practical language learning, Mm -hmm. um, if you are somebody who is starting, they say, I'm interested in languages, but I've never really attacked a language by myself out of a classroom. Mm -hmm. What are your advice for people?
1: Um, Start speaking as early as possible Mm. would be my kind of main thing of piece of advice. And then also uh, consistency, you know, just, like doing it and grinding at it for a long time is hmm. the only way that you're going to get good so don't feel bad if
0: you're not good in the beginning
1: right because you're not going to be good yeah. you know and it's going to take you a very long time to actually get good but but also like I, I would also make sure that you question whether you really want this because there's lots of things in life that you could be good at mm. that you could do yeah um and language is one of those things that's going to take you a very long time um to get good at and you know you should ask yourself like that hard question in the beginning of like do i really want to do this like do i really want to spend an hour of my precious time every day for the next 3 years on learning french mm. to be able to speak it you know yeah. with any semblance of accuracy right yeah. and like that's that's like a question you could because what else could you be doing with that time you could be spending that with your kids you could be learning piano you could be exercising yeah. you could be Playing golf, like there's yeah. so many things in this world. You could be playing video games or watching TV. Yeah. Like there's, yeah. there's so many things you could be doing. Ask yourself, do you like how badly do you really want it?
0: Yeah, that's well, very... that's, that's also one of the reasons I tell people, like a lot of people come to me and they're like, should I learn Mandarin? I'm like, right. if you will enjoy the process of learning Mandarin, you will definitely, you should definitely do it. Mm. But that's because it is so hard to learn that you can't, even say like oh i want to be able to read you know whatever the romance of the three kingdoms in the original oh, language oh you're never going to be it's romance. very hard to do you're, you're, you're never it's like, hard the,
1: the only way that's going to be like i can't read romance three kingdoms. like the only way that you're going to that's going to happen is you're going to be studying chinese for 10 years and like like yeah. it's not i mean it's just it's, it's funny, practically yeah. it's an impossible
0: and then there's even these things where, like i remember my my biggest pet peeve of being even a high level chinese speaker here is going to a chinese restaurant where there's a chinese painting on the wall and somebody has scribbled impossible to read calligraphy.
1: Right. And, and, and your dumb American <laughs> friends are like,
0: what, hey, Jesse,
1: what does, what does that say? say? And you're like, uh, I don't
0: know. And you're like, I thought you spoke Chinese, yeah. Jesse. What does that say? It's funny. It's like literally as a <laughs> linguistic performance artist, yeah. who, like that is like right. one of the weirdest, hardest things to do is understand other people's like weird calligraphy yeah, script. Yeah, yeah. And it's also poetic. Mm-hmm. And it's like not at all any regular language you'd ever use in real life. Yeah. Um, and yet it happens to be, the most common way people see Chinese characters I know, <laughs> in the regular life in America. Yeah. Um, so, so that's that's really cool. I have um, a couple other just language questions that I never get to talk about with people. But um, what do you think of the idea of like language academies, like these places that they'll have a part of the government that is like, this is how French is spoken, this is how Spanish mm. is spoken. These yeah. are the right words and the right spellings, and these are not. Yeah. Do you think that's just like? pompous, you know, idiocy or is there a real value to being able to prune where the bounds of a language begins and ends?
1: It's a good question. I've kind of gone back and forth. I, I I think that I think that it could potentially be valuable, but I think that most of their efforts are really misplaced. I think these organizations tend to be very prescriptive rather than descriptive, and they create rules that Are in many cases unnecessary. Like, first of all, for me, I think that most questions of spelling and orthography are basically wastes of time. Mm. Like, why does spelling matter? It doesn't Mm. really matter. Like, I I think that if if you're asking me a normative question about orthography, my answer would be everything should be spelled always exactly as it's spoken, Mm. and there should be no distinction. Between the writing system and the and the speaking, in an ideal and, and to world. the extent in an ideal world, yes. And to the extent that there is any any divergence, there is a complete waste of time. And there's no reason, like there's no reason, it, as far as efficiency goes, to have like this crazy wacky spelling that we have in English, you know, or like the all the French academies that maintain, you know. And I'm probably going to get canceled for saying this. That maintain <laughs> like, Academy how, how, f- how you know spelling? <laughs> how like French spelling is maintained like. Why do you bother? Why not make French spelling work exactly as it's spoken? I will you know? say
0: I like legit, legit never was interested in learning French because I just mm-hmm. couldn't get over the fact that you would have these things where it's like five mm-hmm. letters and right. it made one sound. Mm-hmm. and but I then, was like a e o u x and right. then and it's it's spelled like o, or whatever, like sure. you know like but and, then but
1: then you went and learned Chinese where the <laughs> well, where the, worse. <laughs> the writing is even worse like yeah. wh- like everything in china could be written with pinyin and it's yeah. not yeah. you know yeah. and 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 if you ask chinese people why they'll say oh well it's because actually we have too many homophones in the language and like but that's really
0: that's you know, it, that, it,
1: that, 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 that that's that's not a correct understanding the arrow of
0: time is backwards like you're self-justifying yeah. this to yourself it's a, it's
1: a justification like the reality is that everything in china could be pinyin and there would be no problems because Mm. like if you can speak it you know like and it can be understood um then it can be written yeah but the reality is that the actual reason for maintaining chinese characters is that chinese people like chinese characters and they want their heritage and culture to be preserved yeah which is a totally valid reason yeah for maintaining chinese characters but if you were to make me the master, linguistic master of the world, and like I, I would, and you wanted to make the most efficient language system, then like of course you would get rid of Chinese yeah. characters. Well, and they of, have. Of like course, you would get rid of the French Academy, you know, yeah. for language spelling. Yeah.
0: They, well, they have like a like linguist, professional linguists have a complete like phonetic alphabet of all the sounds the human mouth can make that they've discovered. In Everything language. would be written in IPA, you yeah. know. It's, yeah. yeah. So it's sure. like, so in. Um, have you learned IPA? Do you know all these sounds?
1: I actually don't. I'm ashamed to say this, but as a professional linguist, I actually don't. <laughs> I actually can't read IPA. Um, what what I do, what I do for so so for people who, who aren't familiar with the International Phonetic Alphabet is is yes, there is actually an alphabet that can be used to to transcribe in theory every sound made by every language. Um, I, I've studied it in the past. What I found is that there there seems to be like a disagreement over which sounds represent like over, over which letters actually represent. Like, it, it, to me, it doesn't seem a, a really perfect system for, for being able to represent sounds. Like I've seen some kind of discrepancy there between what letters are used and what sounds actually get created. So I haven't really spent too much time on it. Really what I do with most languages when I study them is I'll transcribe them how I hear them using English phonemes mm-hmm. and the way that things sound to me in English and I'll, I'll, I'll use an O where it feels appropriate to me and a U where it feels appropriate. And I'll also create my own ersatz, idiosyncratic representation of that language when I'm you know, using the letters that seem right to me. So, so which which a, kind of is awkward when I when I will share that those notes with with the native speaker and they'll be like that's not how this yeah. is spelled. I'm like yeah, yeah I know I yeah. know it's just my own kind of convention.
0: Well, that's I mean that and that can really trigger a lot of people who spent their whole life teaching their language as a second language. Yeah, it tr- <laughs> it, it, it it does it does trigger
1: people. It triggers teachers occasionally, um, but. I know that I'm right. Yeah, <laughs> well, like you know, it
0: might be right for you. This it's is it's, it's it's right it's right for me. Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: Yeah. But I also think I also think that it's I think that I think that generally speaking, I think too much time gets paid in language learning to reading and writing, and not enough to speaking and listening. Yeah, well, far mean, more important.
0: And this kind of brings back the question: Is it underdone because it's difficult to test, or is it underdone because like you know people really don't value it as much? Because I I have the suspicion that because doing one-on-one speaking practice is so time-consuming yeah. that the educational system has just basically ignored it because yeah. how would you do it with a big yeah. classroom? I, of people? I think
1: that's exactly right. I think it's underdone because it's hard to do in an educational classroom setting. Yeah. You know, you can't pair out, you can't have one-on-one speaking practice in a classroom. Yeah. I mean, I think, that, I think that now with technology, you know, again, if you have an iPad with, a kid and yeah. of your same age in another country, or with AI. Yeah. I think now it's getting more and more possible. You seem very
0: this. determined to get labor out of children in Guatemala. Is this like, no, no no no, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's,
1: it's not. It's, not it's, it's an exchange. I know. I know. Right. Yeah. So at the same time, they're learning English too. Yeah. You know. And so you do these exchanges. And yeah. Here, um,
0: here's a question I have for yeah. you, as a, somebody who lived in China, and I would sometimes run up against Chinese people who just refused to speak to me in Chinese. They mm-hmm. were determined this would be their English language practice time. Yeah. What do you do when you hit somebody like that? Um well first of all I try to understand
1: where they're coming from. I mean like you know you, they like there's not that many foreigners in China. Yeah. you know and so when they see you it's like hey like yeah. let's let's speak some let's speak some you yeah. know English. But I think for me like frankly I I feel like it's a little rude yeah. to to be that way but um And I also just generally like I I you know like I would try not to associate with people if it feels too much like this is just devolving into a language practice. Like if you want language practice, like you know you can you can make language partners with
0: somebody. That was what I was saying. You could do
1: like half an hour English, half an hour Chinese as a study session, Mm -hmm. or like you can hire a language tutor. You know, like there there are things you can do like that. But um, but if I'm making friends with somebody. Like, I'll just speak to them in whatever language feels natural. You know, like, I have Chinese friends who I'll speak English with, and I have Chinese friends who will speak Chinese with. And, Mm -hmm. you know, or or in, like, a mix of both. You know, it just... Really, whatever feels natural depending on the situation and context.
0: Yeah, I think that's the right way to play it because, like, I also was like, uh, I could imagine if I were really interested in learning a language and it was just so hard to get the speaking practice. It all comes down to the fact that it's really hard to get speaking practice. Mm -hmm. I think people would feel less uh, eager to force that in, even if it's unnatural in a world where they felt like they had enough, you know? So that's, you know, all the more reason to get the AI. Speaking practice, right? yeah. Yeah
1: ai and you know but also just just better a better classroom experience in general i mean i think that like listening sitting there and listening to your teacher drone on for 45 minutes is a perfect way to spend seven years of your life learning a language and come away with nothing to show for it yeah it's really and and god knows we know so many many americans probably most people watching to this you know have had the experience of sitting in a classroom for years and years and not being able to speak like a single sentence. Yeah. You know, and, and that also includes me. Like a lot of people are like, Oh, you're such a genius language learner. I mean, I spent seven years in high school, eight years learning Latin and Hebrew and Greek, and not being able to speak any of those languages.
0: Yeah. You know, it's a shame. It's yeah. a waste of time. Well, that's one of the things that I always am like uh, very encouraging other people to do. They're like, Oh wow, you learned this really well. What books did you use or how did you do it? And I'm like. Well, first of all, the books are useful. I think at some point, especially for vocab, there just comes a point where you need to know how to say microwave and you need to know how to say steak. Yeah. And, like, you know, there's a certain amount of words you just kind of have to. Memorize. And
1: textbooks give you structure. Courses give you structure. Yeah. Especially, like, in a university setting or a classroom setting, one of the best things about those experiences like, you have to come to class, yeah. otherwise, you will get an F. So, What's like, it? you got to show up and you got to do it. And, like, that at least gives you some structure, even if the teaching isn't great.
0: Yeah. And, um, but then also, I think that, like, we're reaching this era now where there's so many resources that you can learn the way you want to learn and Mm. so i think that like to 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 hear kind of that you create your own writing systems and it's like on one hand that sounds like it would be difficult but on the other hand it sounds totally natural it's like why wouldn't you Take that short term thing now that will be good for you now, even at the risk of like long term, if you were to be an author in that language, it would be harder. But you're not going to be an author in that language. Yeah.
1: A lot of a lot of people a lot of people will will say to me, Oh, well, you need to learn proper spelling immediately. Otherwise you're never gonna be a good speller in the language. But it's just like it's like such a silly argument. Like Did you never ride a bicycle with training wheels? I mean, you know, like at some point, yes, I will. If I really, first of all, I usually in most cases I don't actually want to learn Mm -hmm. to read or write, so I don't care. Mm. So it doesn't matter for me. Like whatever's the quickest way to learn speaking, that's what I want to learn. But even if I did want to learn to read and write, like I can use these quick shortcuts in the beginning. And then the more like the more I learn how to speak, then at some point I will layer on the correct spelling and the correct orthography. Mm. And um, you know the correct punctuation, and uh, and get good at those things. And I think this is this is um um uh. uh what was I gonna? I just totally lost my train of thought. But mm. but um.
0: At some uh, point, you will learn the other things. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, at some, not. Point, uh, some point, right, right.
1: Exactly, or not. And and the thing is, like, this is such a classic mistake that I think a lot of Chinese teachers, for example, will make. They'll say, "Hey, well, we need to learn." how to write the Chinese characters first. And why? Because that was their experience in school, was learning Chinese characters the first day in the classroom. But what they actually misunderstand about that experience is that their day one in the classroom, they actually spoke fluent Mandarin. They came into that classroom having literally spent years of their life Yep. perfecting spoken Mandarin, speaking at a level that almost no foreigner will ever approach.
0: Mm-hmm. And they
1: learn that Mandarin through years of immersion with their parents and with friends.
0: The best yeah. language environment the possible. The best language,
1: possible language immersion environment, already speaking Mandarin at an incredibly high level. And then you come into the classroom, and on day one, you learn characters, but you already speak perfect Mandarin. Well, that's the thing. It's like so that... like when you teach a foreigner how to speak Mandarin, like. W- Speak first, yeah. you know. Like you can't learn characters without speaking first. Yeah.
0: Well, first you of know, all, I love how jazzed up you got about that. Like, I, I have a feeling you're course, like yeah. literally gonna. If there was a Chinese teacher right now, you would yeah. punch them. Like you would just. Bam, <laughs> well, you know, no, no, I'm, I'm, not, just I'm not punching I'm people. But you know, you know, but you
1: but, know, kidding. like, but like, yes, it is something that I get passionate about because, because, like, again, I've, I've, like really gotten good at this because I've spent so much time, Mm -hmm. so, so much time learning languages and I've really figured out what works and what doesn't work.
0: Yeah. And so that, and so that's the sort of thing where, like, let's say that you have somebody that wants to learn a obscure language or your whatever, your Navajo, your Nahuatl or something like that, and they want to learn now, what are the best ways that somebody can go about learning a rare language like that?
1: Well, I mean, an obscure language is something that you really have to learn. Through a, a speaking partner, because you can't like you simply there. There's no Navajo textbook. I mean, it mm. just it just doesn't exist. I mean, there are some grammatical resources on Navajo, but you know there are no Navajo courses. Like there's nothing that's going to handhold you through learning Navajo. You have to find a conversation partner, and you have to build up your own your own your own course and your own curriculum from scratch. So it's a very challenging experience to learn Navajo. And so I I, I wouldn't suggest to most people to, like, unless you are Navajo and you want to learn the language of your culture and your community, in which case you probably do have, you know, a speaking partner that you can learn. Um, And, uh, but, you know, I, I would suggest that if somebody is learning a language for the first time, I think... Pick like a mass market language. Pick something yeah. that's that's a little bit a little bit more
0: learner friendly. Well, somewhere in the beginning. somewhere you'll have help for. I mean, I remember there's exactly um,
1: right Spanish, French, even you know Chinese these days. There's so many resources for learning Mandarin. Yeah, yeah.
0: I remember the uh, the the people who I sometimes am really impressed with as Chinese speakers are not necessarily the Mandarin speakers, but the people who somehow managed to learn a dialect. Cause that's hard. Oh, yeah. like especially if it's a rare dialect. Like I had a, I met this guy once who was also a tea guy, and he yeah. spoke Kunming, Kunmingese, Kunminghua, and it, and because his girlfriend, that's amazing, his girlfriend's only spoke Kunminghua. He was like a backpacker. He never learned Mandarin. He only speaks Kunminghua.
1: That's amazing. Uh,
0: and and it's like, but it's like if Yang you want, he
1: speaks no Mandarin, only Kunminghua.
0: At the time I met him, that's what that's what he told me. And that's so amazing. the question was like, um, uh, it's like. How would you learn it? You have to have that language partner, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of the the joke. Um, I would I would kind of joke to say like I have I've studied Chinese and gotten my Chinese to a really high level, but I may be the highest level of someone not married to a Chinese person <laughs> because like you know yeah. they, like usually you kind of have to listen to people talk for like your whole yeah. life and get a lot of that hearing in. So
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I also have had the experience of learning um, obscure Chinese. They're really languages, you know, we call them dialects um, as well. And those, like, you know, if you're going to learn, like, Fuzhouhua or Taishanhua or these, you Mm. know, specific, you know, city-level Chinese languages, like, there's no, again, there's there's no course for these things. And, in fact, even even in a language where there might be 5 million or 10 million speakers, like with Fuzhouhua, it's very rare to find somebody who can actually afford the time to sit down and teach you, you Mm. know, because it's just... It's just not that much demand to learn these languages. Like, yeah. you know, if you're a foreigner learning Chinese, you're almost certainly learning Mandarin or Cantonese. And, yeah. You know, even even Chinese people are very rare. Like, if you're learning Chinese to speak with your your relatives, yeah. You know, you're probably learning Mandarin. Yeah. You know, it's pretty rare that you'd be learning one of these like, yeah,
0: one of these these rare dialects, the obscure languages. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, thank you again for coming on. I think we're probably about out of time. I want to do a couple last like lightning round, yeah. one sentence responses. Hmm. Uh, so just, uh, yeah, quick, quick okay. lightning response round, hey, uh, for Salma. Okay. Uh, what was your favorite language to learn?
1: Uh, Navajo, just cause how crazy it was. Okay. Um,
0: yeah. Uh, what was your least favorite language to learn? I was gonna say Navajo too, cause how crazy <laughs> it was. But no, no, no,
1: I gotta get something different. Um, least favorite language to learn? Or most annoying. Most annoying. Oh my God. Yeah. Um. Some of, the, some of the Indian languages, like the South Indian languages, they're beautiful, but they just conjugate in such complex ways that oh, a, they were a pain to learn. Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, what's the uh, language that you were most surprised that you enjoyed to learn? Welsh. Welsh.
1: Um, just, uh, just beautiful language. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. The sounds, the language, just, I just loved it. And also the experience of going there and chatting with locals in Welsh. Mm. Was really cool. I bet they love that. <laughs> they, they thought it was, a, uh, it was really cool.
0: What's the uh, best gift you've been given by somebody after they've discovered you've learned their language? Uh, free food, free <laughs> stuff in general. I love
1: like getting free food from Africans or Pakistanis or Europeans. You know, when I speak their language, it just is exciting. It's fun. It's fun. Well,
0: what would you say to these people that are like, we should have a national language?
1: Um, dude, why, like, well, you could that, I don't know, yeah, yeah, you know, it's just, it just, uh, I feel, th- well, I will say this, I do think there is a lot of value in having everybody in the country speak the same language. And as Americans, we can sometimes like lose sight of that. But like, you know, in a country like India, for example, where there is no one language, you know, if everybody speaks a different language, it can be hard for people to communicate, you know? Mm-hmm. So but uh but yeah you should also have like a language of your culture that you can also speak i think it brings a lot of value and value in diversity and value
0: in you know preserving your culture and heritage yeah and uh if you're trying to learn a language but you're just frightened to speak what is the one thing that you can do to try to get over that fear your AI. oh whoa (laughs) thanks
1: jesse (laughs) there (laughs) we go yeah where you can learn a, to speaking practice with an artificial intelligence language tutor.
0: Very cool. So yeah. a lot, I'm, I'm really excited about this. I mean, I really have uh, uh, I've been hoping to talk to you more about language stuff for a while, and it just so happens you're in LA. It's great to have you over at the tea house. What Wait, did you man. think of the tea?
1: Oh my god, it was great. I love the tea. I love the white tea. I love the poor. Uh, delicious, and I'm a little bit tea drunk. Yeah,
0: a little, yeah. little, little, little tea drunk over here. So I'm going to give you this to take home with you. Hey. You can keep the rest of the, uh, yes, the white yeah. tea and um for all of you thank you so much for watching if you're mm-hmm. watching on the video be aware we have the full episode of this available on podcast apple podcast spotify uh the links will be in the bo- in the uh description if you're listening to this on the uh, audio uh know that we come out with uh, highlight versions uh that are edited for youtube and also on all the shorts channels tea time with jesse I've, I've set up like new channels on all of the different platforms just for the show hoping that eventually this really will grow and we'll get um, even more amazing guests like shama uh, on here this is kind of the the goal like you know I feel like uh, there's there's so much um great stuff that kind of just happens around tea yeah. and so that's what I'm, I'm I'm eager to share with everybody if uh, you're interested in the teas all the teas that we are drinking today are on my website you can go get them the tea tables as well the tea pets the tea equipment even the tea scoop um, all that stuff is on uh, jessiesteahouse.com all the stock is in America we have a warehouse in New Jersey so we ship out within two days and um, it's uh, it's a really great way to not only support the channel and support the show but also you get like great tea um, so you have anything else last thing you want to share with uh, with our audience check out the teas great stuff check out the teas very good thank you all so much um, thank you Shama, for coming over Absolutely. and uh, we'll thank see you next guys time. next episode have a good one cool bye bye bye